Hey, what's up? I'm Anthony. And I'm Dan. And we are J&J Missions, spreading the gospel by all means, one soul at a time. We give live talks, we make YouTube videos, and you can find us all over social media. And as you probably figured, we have a podcast. Whether we're giving spiritual tips, deliberating about current events, or talking saints and devotionals, we want to bring the Catholic faith to you in a totally orthodox, yet relatable, down-to-earth way. If you want to support us, head over to our website, www.jmjmissions.com. Hey everybody, it's the JMJ Missions Podcast, another episode. This is D'Anthony and Anne, otherwise known as Anthony and Dan. And I don't know if you heard that. I have, we have no a idea. Guest. We have a guest, and it's not a normal guest that you would think. Not a guest that can really offer too much reflection, unfortunately. She it is might. my <laughs> it is my daughter, Adelaide. She's six months old, a couple days ago, and um she's in her little swing near us right now. Um we're we're tr- She's just chilling. We're we're trying to give my wife a break. Uh. We'll see. <laughs> give us a thumbs up for the Addy screens. Yeah, yeah. Give us a thumbs up for Adelaide. She's not normally part of the podcast, but like I said, we're just giving my wife a break right now. <laughs> um, so thanks for being on here, Addy, and I'm sure we'll be hearing you throughout the podcast. Anyway, if it gets to be too much, we'll you know we'll we'll pause it and uh, we'll we'll take care of it. Uh, by that, I just mean <laughs> we'll just hand her off to my beautiful and loving wife. Uh, hopefully, she she you know tampers down a bit though. <laughs> yeah, she looks like she's ready for another nap. Right. Yeah. So hopefully she. Or goes maybe down. she's trying to nap, but then she just hears our annoying voices. I, I wouldn't be able to nap if I heard my annoying. Yeah, voice. I'd be screaming too. I know, and like, and I don't sh- I don't stop talking. Yeah. So like, I would just be in someone's <laughs> ear, just re- repetitively, just yep. speaking and not letting them sleep. <laughs> yeah, your poor daughter. <laughs> my poor daughter. <laughs> All right, so we have a great a great uh, topic today, very Lenten topic, the two greatest temptations of Christ, the two greatest temptations of Christ, very uh, serious topic, and uh, before that, we have our Stuff in the World segment, and uh, it looks like we might have to get Addie out of here sooner rather than later. She's starting to cry a little bit. She might be going to the bathroom as we speak. She, oh, okay, yep. yes. So, so, you know what? Let's pause. Well, actually, you, the audience, it'll only sound like a second, but for us, it'll be more like a few seconds while we get Addie. Uh, taken care of, and then Anthony will start his <laughs> his stuff in the world segment. Okay, so one of the really cool things about like theology is that God is bigger than time, and um, in reality, like you know, he can do with time with time whatever he wants. And what we just did just now is we actually took time to, you know, give Adelaide to my wife kindly, kindly, so that we can finish this podcast and um, get going on it. But to you, it only seemed like one second. So it's kind of like you know how purgatory is a different kind of time than. You know, then reality. You see where I'm going I with do. this? I do. Yeah. It's okay. a stretch, but it works. It's just, okay. Well, you know, I'm just trying to connect it somehow. Yeah. So, okay. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Stuff in the world segment. My, <laughs> my stuff think? in the world, I kid you not, has to do with time. So when you started saying time, I, my ears perked Ooh. because I didn't tell you what it was. Oh. I good. intentionally, okay. most of the time, don't tell Dan what the stuff in the world is. Because I want to get his honest reaction. I would say you like never do. Sometimes yeah. you give the general. Sometimes like, I even theme. tell you something that I'm not going to do. It's true. Yeah, yeah you've, you've actually haven't... faked us out, me yeah. and Rock, a few times. Uh huh. That's right. Anyway, the stuff in the world is so. This podcast is coming out on Wednesday, Wednesday, March eighth. That's a, I think it's a Philly thing. Wednesday. Right? Yeah, it's an, that's an old people thing. Old people. It might thing. be an old Philly people. Old thing. Philly people thing. Right? At mass yesterday, when the guy gave announcements, he was like, "Next Sunday," and I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my grandparents used to say that. My, yeah. my pop-up used to always say Sunday. My dad Monday. says it, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so this upcoming Sunday is Daylight Savings Time. 
So we spring ahead. We go forward. We lose sleep. So what that means is a very late sunset. So the sun will get, it'll get dark around here in New Jersey. It'll get dark around 7.15, which sounds amazing. That does sound amazing. On the late. The bummer side of this is that it'll be dark again in the morning I, when we go to work. I picked up on that a couple of years ago. I don't yeah. know why it took me like 20, you know, X amount of years to pick up on the fact that after daylight savings time begins, it's darker in the morning for a uh-huh. while. But yes. But I that doesn't last that long. That'll only stick around for like maybe three weeks and then the sun will be back out when we're going to work. Right. Which is nice. So my question is, what's your opinion on daylight savings time? Uh, man, wasn't it Ben Franklin that came up with it? Mm-hmm. It was Ben Franklin. That's a Philly thing too. Yeah, real Philly, uh, Philly theme thing going on un- unintentionally right now, unexpectedly. Uh, I don't. We should just accentuate our Philly accents. The rest of the, <laughs> should we say the the one priest who has the really thick Philly accent? Oh yeah, like when he says, uh, um, grant us peace in Latin. He says yeah. instead of. He, instead of Dona Nobi, he goes Dona Nobis Pachem. Do, <laughs> yeah. Dona Nobis Pachem. Very holy priest. Great priest. Very yeah, yeah. thick accent. Great guy. Philly accent. Real Philly South South Jersey kind of. Yep. It sounds very uneducated, that kind of accent. I feel like if I did not come from Philly, if I was somewhere else in the U.S. and I heard a Philly South Jersey accent, you know, I kind of, you know, I'm Philly, I'm South Jersey, you know, like, yeah. you know that kind of accent, and you know? Water. Yeah, water and like, you know, we're going to go around for Philadelphia, you know, like. <laughs> I I feel like I would think these people are uneducated, <laughs> like not you know, smart. <laughs> when, when I was in college and I was trying to become a weatherman right after college, um, I don't think I could hear my own accent. And I think when I sent out my application, I think my accent was very evident uh, in, in my reel. And a interesting. Lot, and they don't want that. Like they want you to sound like the place that you're that you're from, that, right, that you work. I never would yeah. have thought of that. Uh-huh. That makes sense. And also, my, my speaking has gotten better now since James J. Mission. So like, I don't even. I think I enunciate better now than I did twelve years ago. Or twelve years ago, I would have talked the way that I talked to like anybody. Right. Very interesting. In front of the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Stage presence. Mm-hmm. What was the question again? What do you think about daylight savings? Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I have no idea. On one hand, I like it because in the summer it gets dark so late, but then I get so sad when daylight savings time is over for winter. It's so like, yeah, it gets dark so early and it's cold and it's sad. And yeah. All of a sudden, you're like, you know, two months beforehand it was getting dark at like six forty-five. Now all of a sudden it's dark at four thirty. Yeah, four forty-five. It's like what? So you know what? I don't know. If if they got rid of daylight savings time, like tomorrow, they mm-hmm. just said like, you know, we're not doing that ever again. I don't know if I'd miss it. Me neither. I don't know. Let sure. us know in the comments. Yeah, so is that how you feel about it, too? It is how I feel about it. I've had enough. You've had enough. Yeah, so you're actually enough. actively against daylight savings time. I am time. now. I just want it to be the same clock all year round. So you're like a, so you're going to go protest this? No. Okay. No. I don't care about it that much. But okay. I, but I do care about it enough to bring it up on the podcast. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's kind of like, you know, um, when you like, you know, you want like the Reese's Big Cups, but they don't sell them anymore. I've never experienced this. See, situation. I love Reese's Big Cups, but sometimes I go out and I just don't see them. And I care, but not enough to do anything about it. All right. Glad we're on the same page about <laughs> Reese's Big Cups and Daylight Savings. All right. You know, we just still get Easter egg comments. So we, we should do. plant one. Okay, that's good. Right. I feel like we just lost all of our listeners after this maybe. stuff. Or maybe we gained the, <laughs> even more. Okay, well, if you're crazy enough to have uh, stuck around this far, hopefully you'll stick around after this break, and we'll be back with something very similar to what we're talking about, the two greatest temptations of Jesus Christ. And before <laughs> that, that was sarcastic, by the way. 
And also just comment daylight savings time anywhere on our Instagram on any post. Yeah, helps the algorithm. Yep. All right. We will be happy. It doesn't weird us out. Please okay. do it. Bye. See you guys in, in a few minutes. A few seconds. Minutes. Seconds. And we're back. And I just wanted to say, on behalf of myself and Anthony, thank you for sticking with us after the last two minutes of our <laughs> definitely of our stuff in the world. A different introduction. <laughs> definitely different. You know, joy is good. The joy of the Lord, even in Lent, you know, it lifts you up during yep. the during the dark times. During the not that Lent's a dark time, but like a penitential time. Yeah. You know, it's always good to have it. So, the topic today is the two greatest temptations of Christ. The two greatest temptations of Christ. Now, I I gotta make a disclaimer here, as I do many times. Uh, Jesus was tempted in all kinds of ways. In fact, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse, I think, maybe 15 or 5, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, just as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus was tempted in all kinds of ways at all kinds of times in his life. There's not one temptation we can go through he doesn't totally understand hasn't beaten. So this is kind of a subjective you know, idea of um, the two greatest temptations of Jesus. But I want to say this is like the two that I was looking at in his life that I thought, in my opinion, may have been the hardest for him to endure uh, for, for, for good reasons. Um, so the first temptation out of the two, we'll, we'll take both of them, we'll comment on them a little bit and kind of go through what they mean for us. The first temptation of the two uh, is one of the three temptations that he endured in the desert before he started his ministry when Satan tempted him. And I didn't, I didn't tell Anthony mm-hmm. which one I felt was the most intense for him. Do you want to take a guess? Uh, my instinct my instinct is the food one because mm. he was so hungry. And then the devil said, turn these rocks into bread. Yes. my Well, my first instinct would have been to say the same mm-hmm. because especially during Lent, like I'm having a hard time fasting. Yeah. You know, like even today, my... Uh, Lenten fast, as I said last podcast, was like trying to pick the healthy route every single chance that I have when I can choose food. And I'm having a hard time doing that because like of the convenience and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that is a really difficult one. Not the one that I was uh, that I was going for. Well, though. then the other one is to go to the top of the pa- the parapet and jump off because the angels off. will catch you. Mm-hmm. And the other one is to bow down and worship the devil. And the devil will, in return, will give him... Well, like... it actually... It, it was, yes, the devil in return would give him what? It's like the power of, of over the world right yes the whole all the kingdoms of the world yeah so. and i i th- think i could be wrong about this but you know, obviously jesus was god but also he was human so we hear saints who have the gift of bilocation but jesus wasn't doing that mm-hmm. like jesus wasn't like popping over to like north america right while he was here where i would imagine the devil not being human at all had the access to be anywhere he wanted whenever he wanted right so for jesus i feel like that would be a little tempting because then he could Go evangelize in Iceland. Kind of get and everywhere. You could go into Panama. Right. Yeah. Right. Whereas the organic and natural way he did it, he counted on the church to spread it throughout mm-hmm. the world after he after he ascended. Yeah. Uh, that third temptation is the one that I chose that I thought was hardest, but for totally different reasons. Um, and I never thought about that. That was a really good point you made about like going everywhere, whereas the devil probably was everywhere, mm-hmm. not bound by space and time as a demon. Mm-hmm. And Jesus was like intentionally bound himself by space yeah. and time to be human. Uh I thought that third temptation was the greatest. Now that seems weird because Jesus does not seem like the kind of guy that would, it would strike you that would bow down to Satan definitely. Mm-hmm. And that would want to rule the kingdoms of the earth. I, he does not seem like that kind of person. So 
For most people, I would assume that that temptation wouldn't even cross their mind as one of the most difficult. But that's the one that I felt, and for this reason. I felt that this was the devil's way of trying to tempt Jesus to mess with our free will. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is if Jesus had control over all of the civilizations of the world, he may have been able to, like, may have been tempted to, like, kind of force his way into our hearts so we can be saved and be happy. I feel like Jesus' greatest desire for us and the thing that, that the reason he came, the reason he died, the reason, <coughs> excuse me, that he was incarnate was literally because he wanted us to share his joy, to share the Father's joy. He wants that so deeply for each one of us. And it's, it, it's so easy for us just to say yes to him and to be happy and pure and whole on the inside that I feel like maybe one of his greatest temptations was like to just kind of flick that switch in us without us choosing it ourselves so we can experience it for ourselves instead of letting us have our free will. And I feel like the devil is kind of, kind of saying like, hey, if you bow down to worship me, you know, I'll, I'll let you, you know, kind of get into everybody's hearts. You know, maybe you'll have control over their hearts and you can kind of flick that light on inside of everybody so they can all experience for themselves how amazing it is to have you in their heart. Right. And, you know, really, that that's kind of what sin is. It's like when there's a good thing, but it's used in the wrong way or in an inappropriate way. Right. So, like, that intentionally would be a good thing. Like, if Jesus could get make his way into every single one of our hearts, but he can't do it that way. Like, we have to accept it and choose it. Exactly. Yeah. Right after my conversion, I was so on fire and so happy. One of my greatest temptations was to be really angry and frustrated. Not really angry at people, but like confused and frustrated, just thinking, why don't you just show up to these prayer meetings? Why don't you just say, why don't you just go to confession? Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, how could you not? Because yeah. you love these people mm-hmm. and you want them to be happy so bad. You want them to find God so bad that you're like, if I could just get in your heart and just make you do this, yeah. you'd be so happy. So I feel like that may have been an actual temptation of Jesus because he would want that even more than I did after my conversion. Right. In fact, infinitely more would he desire that for us than how much I did after my conversion. Um, it's also because we forget this, but Jesus, he feels the impact of sin way more than we do. I mean, God is perfect. Jesus is infinitely perfect. Sin is like infinitely imperfect. So like when when you see the sin in the world, it impacts you. When you watch the news, when you see the war in Ukraine, when you see uh, the, 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 the news reports of things happening in the U.S. and all the confusion and the sadness here, it hits your heart and it hurts. And it's like, man, like sin is rough. Like I wish it wasn't here. It's horrible. So imagine how much God feels that because we are in this sinful world. We are not perfect. Imagine God who's so innocent and so pure and so perfect. He would feel the weight of the sin of the world way more than we do. So like the, the, the negative things that happen, they, they break God's heart a lot more than they break our heart, and they break our heart a ton. And it's know? also easy, even if it does break our heart, it's easy for us to ignore stuff. Right. Like, you know, this, the, all the suffering that's happening happening in Ukraine, then also in Turkey and Syria. I mean, that's not a sin. That, that, that's an earthquake. It's, but still, like when it's out of sight, it's out of mind. Mm-hmm. So same is true with sin. So like we're not thinking about it, so like we don't feel the pain. Like we hear about murders that happen in cities, but they don't affect us. We just kind of move on with our lives. But with Jesus, he feels every single one of those. Right. He's yeah. present. God is present all places, all times in everybody's heart. So he is constantly, every second, feeling the pain of every human being on earth and feeling the effects of sin. And yet, he still doesn't mess with our free will. He still does not force us to be good. And that's because he authentically loves us. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But I feel like if I'm Jesus and I'm in a human body, 
and I have a human mind and I just love everyone so much and want them to feel my presence so badly, I'm going to be tempted just to kind of get in there just for a split second and just flick that switch on, that, that love that love and faith switch on in every single person so they can experience it. But he won't do it. One of the things I recognized right after my conversion again was just how much God respects our free will. You see all these negative things and God doesn't stop it. He doesn't stop it. Now, some people, they, they get upset about that. Why won't God stop it? Honestly, it's because he deeply, deeply, I mean, there's something about our free choice that runs like just so deep within the human psyche and the human makeup that how he designed us. And you may, you may, it makes sense what you, what you mentioned is that because if it's not totally free, it's not our total free choice and our, us that open our hearts up to the Lord fully, it's not real love. Mm-hmm. And if it's if there's anything, even the slightest minuscule percentage of of uh, unfree choice, yeah. right, of, of, of like a forced love on the inside for us to force to feel God or love God, then it's not real. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's why he, he does not force it. Um, one last thought that I had on this subject is um, when we see bad things uh, happen in the world, like evil and earthquakes and natural disasters and, you know, serial killers and all these things and war, when we see these horrible things, uh, our rationale is to make God into one of three things. We say God either doesn't exist or he's too weak to stop it or he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And none of those are good. None of those are good. None of those are true because what my conversion showed showed me through the, for example, the charismatic gift of be, having my heart read. That was one of the things, both of us, that was one of the things that really catapulted us and cemented our faith was a, a very holy woman who had um, charismatic gifts reading our hearts and knowing things she couldn't have known and saying them for our spiritual benefit and for our spiritual growth, right? Just that one incident alone proves that God does exist because how could she do that? It proves that God is powerful because he can do some pretty cool things. And not just that, not just that gift. Look at the gift of every saint. Look at Jesus's miracles. Look at all the things we know of our faith. Look at the Eucharistic miracles and and incorrupt bodies of saints. Like that's amazing stuff, you know. Look at Moses parting the Red Sea. So God clearly exists. He clearly is powerful, and he's clearly very good because the advice this woman gave me was exactly what I needed to hear at that time. It made me feel so comforted and so loved and so taken care of, and it gave me so much peace to move forward. So obviously. Whoever gave this woman that gift, a.k.a. God, is good, and he loves us. So, you know, after my conversion, I realized all three of those arguments fall through. He does exist, he loves us, and he's very powerful, and he's very good. Um, and so the only other explanation then for all the negativity in the world is that God really, really, even though it destroys him, not destroys him, but it breaks his heart, I'll say, mm-hmm. he really deeply respects our free will. Yeah. So what a gift. What an amazing gift. Do you have any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I mean, I just think, because I've wondered stuff like that, too. When you see something horrible that happens, you kind of wish that God would just, like, stop the person mm-hmm. before it happens, but he can't. Because if he does that, then he's controlling us like robots, and that's not love. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So what he does, and you say, well then, well, then this is a terrible situation. Then God can't stop us. Well, he won't. Not that he can't, but he won't. But what he does do is he, you know, the people who are victims of this violence, of this negativity in the world, he jumps into our victimhood with us. Mm -hmm. Look at the cross. Yeah. Look at the, you just take one look at a crucifix. It's like God saying, you know, you guys sinned. You chose what you chose. You continue to sin. So there is going to be, unfortunately, not not that he likes it, but there is going to be death, suffering, sickness, stress, disasters, accidents in the world. Mm -hmm. But you know, what I'll do is I'll jump right in there with you. That's Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's the incarnation. That's the cross. I'll jump into it with you. And because I'm God and I can't die, then if I go through it and you're in my heart, then you don't die either. Yeah. So I'll bring goodness out of it. So God is so good, 
that he respects our free will so much, but if we desire it, he'll enter into all of our sufferings with us, make us holy through it, and bring good out of it. Very Lenten uh, idea there, too, because yeah. all the sufferings and fasting that you're going through this Lent, what a beautiful act of the will you can make with your free will right. to give that back to God and suffer with Jesus. And take this as a little sign, too, if you've struggled with your Lent fast. You know, we're about two weeks in a Lent, and maybe you've gotten a little lazy. Maybe you've cheated a little bit here and there. We'll just leave that behind and just get back on the horse. Because once you make one mistake with your Lent fast, it's easy to make a second. It's easy to make even easier to make a third. And then before you know it, you gave up. Right. So, I mean, I'm speaking to myself, too. So it's time to just, like, get back up on the horse and keep going. Yep. Mm-hmm. So first temptation, one of Jesus's toughest to bow down to Satan in order to have all the power of the kings, kings of the world, and the kings of the world, so we, he could step in and and force us to feel him and be happy. <laughs> Which is, I could, but you know, instead he he just he let us be us, um, and and put up with all of our sins and even people going to hell. Like that's just the restraint is incredible. Okay, second temptation. Uh, this one is a little more. Um, a common, I think people would have guessed this one. The agony in the garden. Jesus' agony in the garden. Uh, what does the, the Bible say? It says that he was in the garden and his sweat became like drops of blood. He was asking the Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to have to suffer. I don't want to have to die. You know, we forget that he was God, so he was pure love. And he was absolutely going to obey the Father and he was going to do what had to be done for us to go to heaven because his love was so great but he was also completely human. And there's not one shred of his humanity that wanted to go through this because nobody mm-hmm. would. He wasn't a masochist. So what was he tempted to do in the garden? To not go through with this. He <laughs> asked, said, okay, Father, can you let this cup pass from me? So he's tempted to run. Yeah. And being God and having the gifts that he had, I would imagine that Jesus would was probably having a vision and probably knew maybe in detail the things that were going to happen to him. And if you think about what happened to Jesus' passion, uh, Stations of the Cross is a great practice to do, to, to do during Lent to kind of um, get into that spiritual zone um, and kind of identify with Jesus. I mean, think about what happened. He was arrested. He was punched in the face, spit on, mocked, then uh, whipped, scourged at the pillar. And, you know, a Roman scourging was like, it wasn't just normal whips. They were, these, yeah. these people were sick. I mean, they were expert torturers. Mm-hmm. So you see that you ever see the really hard scene to watch, but the Passion of the Christ, the 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 whipping scene, uh, when he scourged the pillar, you know those whips had little pellets, little metal pellets yeah. attached to the end of them that were meant to take out chunks of your skin mm-hmm. as you're being whipped, and he was probably whipped, you know, dozens and dozens of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, some mystics and saints who have seen visions of the Passion said that he was so so uh, I, I messed up, I guess yeah. you could say, by the end of this, that he was almost dead after the scourging, right. Mm-hmm. And then if that wasn't enough, he's then crowned with thorns, so mocked some more, mm-hmm. pressed into his skull, you know, put the, the scarlet robe on him, mocked more. They don't release him. They release a murderer, yeah. Barabbas in his midst. That must have been a gut punch, right? And then they, the equivalent of, of uh, making him dig his own grave, he's got to carry his cross, and he's, he's so hurt that he can't even make it up the hill. He falls three times. Mm-hmm. He can't even make it. He's already half dead. That he has to have Simon the Cyrenian help him out just to get to the top of Golgotha Hill. And even with all that, as he's being nailed to the cross and probably stripped, probably totally naked, Mm -hmm. just to humiliate him. Just amazing, the humility of God. Right. And what he will go through for us, how much he respects us and loves us when you think about this. I just want to, real quick, sorry, I just want to say one thing about Golgotha Hill. I just learned this, that uh, the reason it's called Golgotha, which is place of the skull, is -hmm. because they believe that's where Adam was buried. So Christ is the new Adam. 
Right. So it's kind of fitting that he would die in the same spot. The same spot as Adam yeah. disobeyed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The obedi- the disobedience of Adam is reversed possibly in the same spot or at least they thought as the obedience of mm-hmm. Jesus. That's just amazing. And Mary's there too. So the disobedience right. of Eve, that's why Mary's the new Eve because the disobedience of Eve in that same spot, you know, Mary's going to reverse that by imperfect, you know, uh like acceptance. Perfect resignation. Mary's going to be at the foot of the cross, not crying out, not freaking out. Even though her heart was literally breaking in front of her, seeing her, this, her son go through this, she still offered that to God. So that's I'm really glad you brought that up. So mm-hmm. being the new, even new Adam, uh, the obedience of Jesus and Mary is just unbelievable. And as this is going on, as he's being nailed to the cross, he's forgiving those that are crucifying him. I mean, and then when he gets there, he he's going to die in three hours of suffocation because he can't get up on, he can't put pressure on the nails in his feet to get up to breathe, and his lungs, I believe, are locked in the exhale position. So I mean maybe the inhale position either way. Mm. I mean, that's a horrible, gruesome death. And you think of Jesus in the garden, totally human Jesus who experiences all of our pain the same way, all of our emotions, our sadness, our, even our joys. But like right now focusing on the negatives, he experienced all that, the nervousness, the fear, right? Oh my goodness. And he's literally sweating blood thinking I got, I, I really would like to get out of this. Like, it doesn't seem like something Jesus would say like, father, if there's any other way you could save them, like, don't let this happen but his love wins out in the end and he accepts. But I would imagine he was very tempted to run in that moment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, knowing that pain is coming is one of the most daunting feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if you have to get a surgery or something like that, like just knowing that something's going to hurt is horrible and none of us have been crucified. So right. I, I can't even imagine. And his power, he, he was God. I mean, he had the power to just end the whole, he could have, he could have ended the whole thing with a snap of his fingers if he wanted to, but he was not going to reject the father because it's not the way the Trinity works. It was just never going to happen. Just, um, amazing his obedience and his resignation to the father's will there and his love for us that's what it all comes down to his unconditional love for us i want to say one more comment about uh, him sweating blood um for a long time scholars thought that this was maybe just a metaphor mm-hmm. or maybe an exaggeration like oh his sweat became like drops of blood coming to the ground well recently and when i say recently i mean like modern medical science of the last you know 100 200 years they found out about a condition called hematidrosis hematidrosis is a very rare condition but is absolutely real and has been well documented uh, in which a person when they're going through extreme anxiety extreme stress or extreme nervousness and i mean so badly that like they're about to have kind of like a heart attack kind Mm -hmm. of that kind of panic attack yeah uh capillaries underneath their skin blood capillaries can burst Mm -hmm. and the effect is so strong that the blood starts to seep right through the skin and fall to the ground, almost like looking like sweat. Yeah. So odds are this actually really happened to Jesus. Like he literally had almost like a panic attack in the garden and literally went through hematidrosis, meaning he was so nervous and so and so restless because of what he was about to go through that um, that he his blood literally did seep through his skin and fall to the ground. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, the, the scientific discoveries that we keep making about Jesus and about the events of the Passion um, – and every couple of years there's a new one. If you stay up on these things, it's just amazing. Little signs from God, little confirmations that yes, what you read in the gospels is real. You know, this, a lot of this might be literal and probably is literal for the, you know, at least when it comes to the gospels. And so we have to appreciate that and appreciate the love that he has for us in these situations. So any uh, last comments about no. that? Okay. So what we can do, what we can learn from this is that when we're tempted to run, when we're tempted to, you know, freak out and, and, and run from the problems in our life, which are nothing like what Jesus went through. 
we have a friend in him. We have someone who beat these temptations. As I said before in the book of Hebrews, Christ, it says, has been tempted in all things just as we are, yet without sin. And I believe right afterwards it says, so we don't have a high priest that can't, you know, um, understand us. Like anything that we go through, he's already beaten it. So all we need to do is ask for his help and we can beat it too. But we'll only beat it in the measure that we let Christ in our hearts. It's going to be really hard for us to beat temptation, not to run from our issues and run from our fasts and run from our sufferings. It's going to be very hard not to do that if we only open up our will to him a little bit. Mm -hmm. So we need to open up our free will, every bit of our free will to him, and renew that every day constantly in prayer. And the measure with which you measure will be measured out to you. (laughs) Right. So the more you open your heart up, the more you're going to get. Mm -hmm. Uh, And finally, um, when it comes to that idea of free will, that was the first temptation, which I think. I mean, this is just my interpretation of that last Mm -hmm you know, temptation of uh, Jesus in the desert. I might be wrong about it, but, um, you know, Christ still did not, did not override our free will, even to have the joy of heaven in our hearts. So what we can do to give that back to him in thanksgiving for what he went through on the cross and went through in his passion, what we just talked about is use that gift of free will that he honors so much and give it back to him Mm -hmm. every day. Let's pray this Lent every day. Let's make little offerings. Let's make little acts of the will saying, God, I'm all yours. Whatever inspiration you want to give me, you give me right now. You know, God, I'm going to offer this up for, for you. God, I'm going to offer that up for someone that I know who, um, you know, who needs prayers. Let's keep making those acts of the will every single day. Let's pray without ceasing um, and make this Lent the best one we've ever had. Amen. Amen. We'll take a break for the cup. Take a quick break, then we'll do the devotional cup. Well, this has been a very interesting podcast. I think we went from uh, my daughter, Adelaide, uh, trying to get on the podcast uh, to very uh, comical, kind of (laughs) goofy stuff in the world segment onto the detailed account of Jesus' passion (laughs) and how we should try to imitate that in our own lives. And now, finally, for the last last segment, we have the Davotional Cup. And we actually have the spinny wheel again this time. Go ahead. All right, here we go. Clicking the button now. It is spinning as we speak, and it has landed on one that we already did, so let me do it again. Give me a second. I knew that was going to happen. It has now landed on Batania. Batania. Batania, Venezuela. Okay, what happened in Batania? The Blessed Mother appeared in 1984, and 107 or 108 people saw it and were interviewed. Ah. And this was approved by the church in three years. Fastest ever approved apparition in church history. Yeah, the bishop approved that apparition of Our Lady Reconciler of all peoples and nations. That's what Mary wanted to be called. To Maria Esperanza, uh, who we are very fond of and we love her family. Uh, To her family and friends and hundreds of others. In fact, I believe there were 107 or 108 people that testified, but I heard that there were over 200 there that day. That saw her. That day, when the Blessed Mother appeared in Batania, she appeared seven times. She appeared and reappeared seven times from the accounts, the eyewitness accounts, which you can find online. Uh, you know, people said that they saw her like, um, like kind of see-through. And at first when people saw it, they were like, why is there a statue in the tree? Because mm-hmm. it looked like almost like a statue. And then some people said, I remember one guy said that somebody called out, why is that huge banana, weird-looking banana in the tree? Like a gigantic yeah. set of bananas, you know? And then all of a sudden it got clearer 
and you could see that you could see through her a little bit, and that really freaked everybody out. And then she completely disappeared, mm-hmm. and then everyone said, "What was that?" And then she reappeared, yeah, uh, seven times. They said you could see the breeze that day go uh-huh. through her mantle, and, yeah. and that her clothes were actually affected in the breeze. Uh-huh. Uh, people smelled roses. They prayed the rosary the whole time. Everybody was crying, so I've heard. Um, and uh, a relative of Maria Speranza said that, uh, you know, he, he likened it to when you see a movie that you've already seen a bunch of times. It's one of your favorite movies, but you can't wait to show your family and friends. Yeah. So when you finally show your family and friends, you're, you're looking more at their reactions yeah. than to um, the actual movie because uh-huh. you're so happy that they're finally watching it. Yeah. He said that's how Maria Esperanza was. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. Yeah, because she would see Maria privately all the time, but no one else right. s- saw her. That's And hilarious. she saw Mary in that first apparition there in 1976. A uh, very famous apparition, but she was the only one to see her there. Uh, so now when Mary appeared and everybody saw her, uh, yeah, he said that he looked over and Maria Sparanza was like staring at everybody with just a huge happy grin on her face, like so excited that everyone could see her. That's a perfect analogy. Yeah. Our Lady Virgin Reconciler of all peoples and nations. Uh, we've taken pilgrimages to Batania, had incredibly edifying experiences there. Uh, so if you have a chance to go visit Batania, mm-hmm. uh, especially now, I think Venezuela is very, very slowly but surely getting a little bit safer. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, do it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that place really solidified our faith. I've been there nine times. Wow. And it's been a while since I've been there, and I would love to go back. And I wouldn't be who I am without Batania. Yeah, uh, same. I think it's very mm-hmm. safe to say. And there are other Batanias around the world. There's like 20-something Batania groups around the world. Maria yep. Esperanza servant of God who we just talked about, she started the first Batania group in Venezuela after Mary appeared there and they started the Batania Foundation. Her and her kids, she had seven kids in there and their friends when they were all teenagers and youth, they would all get together on Thursday nights. She started the second Batania group up in Massachusetts, Medway, Massachusetts is Batania 2, which is still there, big retreat center there mm-hmm. that's used by the diocese for different things and by different people in the diocese. Then Batania 3 started from there, Long Beach Island, where Maria Esperanza died. And I'm not going to go through every Batania in the world, but we belong to Batania 10 community. And um, the meetings in New Jersey at Batania 10, um, where we talked about, first you pray the rosary, we talked about Maria Esperanza and and, uh, other cool topics, not just Maria Esperanza or Our Lady related, but just really cool faith topics, um, really, really solidified our faith, as you said. So I recommend if you are not part of a prayer group, Get involved with a prayer group. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really a beautiful thing to have that community, um, especially one that prays the rosary or does some kind of prayer and then some kind of reflection and, and then so and then socializing. Yeah, because you need some balance. Too. Exactly. We used Can't, to play basketball afterwards. Yeah, we, and it was perfect. Yeah, just one more fun fact I want to say that don't want to make this go like another ten minutes, but uh, Our Lady Reconciler of All Peoples and Nations appeared March twenty fifth, nineteen eighty four, mm-hmm. the same exact day that Pope John Paul II consecrated the world. To the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Yeah. There's hours a, later, right? Hours later. This is an amazing actual, like, I mean, like the, 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 uh, the implications behind Maybe this Maybe we could do an entire podcast enormous. We could this. do an entire podcast, and I believe we did, yeah. actually. Oh, we did. Okay. Did Mary, it's called Did Mary Predict All This? Oh, it was whoops. About, a little, about a year and a half ago. What do I know about my own show? <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to go back in the archives, <laughs> we talk about that with Did Mary Predict All This? But what I will say to shorten that up, Anthony, is that... Our Lady of Fatima asked for the world to be consecrated, or for Russia to be consecrated to her Immaculate Heart. Sister Lucia apparently said that when John Paul II did that on March 25th, 1984, and consecrated the entire world, that God had accepted that. And hours later, as Anthony just mentioned, it's like God's response was to send Our Lady to Batania. 
mm-hmm. and under they, that title under that title of all peoples and nations <sighs> right that's just so the implications of like maybe Batania and other apparition sites around the world of course uh-huh. and uh, this, this this revival that we are hoping to see in the world of the catholic faith is the answer to what was um to john paul ii ho- hopefully fulfilling our lady's request at fatima yep staggering stuff yep perfect but for a different day for the rest of that <laughs> <laughs> or for a day we already did or yeah right <laughs> okay so without further ado we will close with a prayer Aunt, you want to take us away sure. with that in the name of the father son and the holy spirit amen amen dear lord we ask that you bless all the listeners of this podcast and we just ask that they're inspired by the temptations that jesus went through that learning about these temptations that we can receive more fuel to go through the temptations in our own lives Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless.